and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. They say you never forget your first love. When it comes to the world of work, my first love is hospitality. My first job was working for two incredible women in a little independent Swiss bakery, competitory or tea room back in the back streets of Epsom Downs. I was regularly getting my backside kicked around the tiny little kitchen that turned out, frankly, wonderful delights, learning loads feeling shattered but absolutely loving it betty and rosemary were and still are a huge inspiration to me they influenced my pursuit of a career in hospitality originally and played a massive part in instilling my work ethic that i hope still drives me on today but how does that experience match up to life working in hospitality today on the back of huge disruption and market pace evolution how is the hospitality industry faring What are the challenges it's facing and what does it feel like for the people working in that industry, which for many people like me back in the day, is their first foray into the world of work. But when a recent poll carried out by UK Hospitality is saying that 42% want to leave the industry, how many will look back in 30 years time and refer to it as their first work love? Well, with me today is Jane Sunley founder of the hospitality-focused culture and engagement company, Purple Cubed. Jane's been a campaigner and advocate for hospitality for many, many years and has a finger on the pulse of what's happening in the industry. And we both attended the recent Caterer People Summit, where Purple Cube were announcing the finalists for the annual Best Places to Work in Hospitality Survey. So Jane can shine a real light on what the very best places are doing to attract, retain, and grow their talent in such a brilliant and competitive industry. Welcome to the show, Jane. Thank you very much, Andy. Great to be here. Lovely to have you here. Jane, I know quite a bit about you, but some of my, my listeners may not be as familiar as I am. Would you mind just telling everybody you know, who you are, what you do, what you're up to right now? Yeah, I'm a hospitality operator by background, so I'm not an HR person by background. Um, and I used to work in hotels and then I fell in love and got married and decided that wasn't going to work. Not the marriage, the hotels. So I, I joined the contract catering industry and had my corporate career, if you like. Then I got conned into running a recruitment business for a number of years, which was immensely enjoyable because it was a startup. And that is what taught me all about workplace culture. Ah. And at some point I thought I'm going to do this for myself. And rather than have a recruitment company, which I didn't want to do, I uh, started the world's, I think the world's, certainly the UK's first people retention business, which was all about helping companies 
retain their people. Because just like today, everybody puts loads of effort into recruitment and then they let all these good people leave. And we're back to square one and on it goes. So I suppose in an essence, I've been doing this for 20 years. I must have failed along the line because people are still doing it. (laughs) Although I would like to think there are more people getting it right now than used to be. So I am CEO of Purple Cubed and I founded it 21 years ago in September. I am also a business writer. I've had a few books published. You could check out the People Formula on Amazon. That's the last one I did. And I do a bit of media commentating, et cetera, et cetera, and a whole load of other things that, you know. Just a couple of bits and pieces. People like me do, yeah. (laughs) Just a couple of bits and pieces. Yeah. Keep it all ticking over. Well, I mean, retention. I mean, that's that's the nub of, I guess, what we're going to talk about Mm. today, really. And I think you're right. I think it is becoming more of a focus and more of a conversation, but particularly in hospitality, that that recruitment thing is just the thing that is always number one on the agenda, that mm-hmm. churn cycle of getting more people into the business. But yeah. I am guessing that the kind of businesses that have made it through to the shortlist for the best places to work, you know, they're doing some different stuff. But just in terms of that whole award piece, can you just give us a bit of an overview as to where that came from and, and what it looks yeah. for? So nine years ago, um, we were a bit bemused, really, that the catering industry didn't have any sort of people award. So there was no Katie for anything to do with people, apart from Chef of the Year, but that's more about the chefing and less about the people. Yeah. So we decided, my business partner, Joe and I, that Joe Harley, fabulous business partner though she is, um, we decided that we would approach the caterer and say, look, how about doing a sort of Sunday Times Top 100 type survey, mm. which we could then get the top six and put those through as a Katie shortlist and there would be a people Katie. Well, they thought this was a very good idea and that's what happened. So yeah, eight, it was just in the eighth year, I think, of that now. Um, so that's where it came from, but it's really about, I hate the word best practice because I think, or words, because what's best for one is not best for another, is it? Because we're so all true. different. Yeah. So I like good practice and I like fit for purpose. And what this was about was just getting organisations to share the things that they come up with that made them great employers that might not necessarily translate like for like into another business. And by the way, I do think this is where businesses go wrong. They just try and do what everybody else is doing instead of looking inwards. So um, that's an important point, I think, today. Um, but the, we could at least share the sort of sentiment of the sort of things, because there are themes that people do, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute, mm. that are, are just getting it right. And it's clear that the people who make that list get way better results than you know the people who don't. I mean, I'm sure there are great employers out there who don't go on that list, but I always feel when we do the people summit, which we're, I know we're also going to talk about, we're slightly preaching to the converted because the people in that room get it, they want to do it right, but there are a whole load of people in our beloved hospitality industry who still don't get it and sadly aren't still getting it right, even this many years on, really. So yeah, and it's not it is real. Well, it is it is real, and it's not limited to hospitality, is it? I mean, we're talking okay. about hospitality today because. I love it. You love it. I think it's a it's a area of industry that is up against it right now. I, th- I think after the last That's couple of years, absolutely. But it is right to hold up the people who are out there doing amazing stuff. And actually, some of that stuff isn't so amazing. It, it's it uh, just well, sounds like common thing. sense, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> this is the thing, and this is why I get so frustrated because actually, it's just like stop, take a breath. 
do sensible stuff. It's not about anything that's going to cost millions or, you know, compared with, I don't know, refurbing a hotel room Mm. or, you know, resurfacing a a bar, you know, the amount of money that you would have to spend to become a better employer is, you know, no more than that, really. I think that's... don't be able to sign that check. Yeah, I agree. I mean... Well, look, let's let's have a little think about what came out of the summit because I'm I'm in agreement with you. I think I sat there, I enjoyed the day. Uh, there were some really good speakers, great networking opportunities to meet some people. Yeah. But I sort of found myself sat there going, yep, yep, that's, yep, that's sensible. That's, that's good. There was nothing to me like earth shattering about what was really being said with what people were doing. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I'm kind of hopeful it's a good thing because therefore it's not a barrier for other people coming in okay. and doing something similar. But I don't know, what 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 did you, as an overall, what did you take uh, from the event? Yeah, overall, uh, well, ditto. I mean, I thought I thought it was great to get everybody in the room. Mm. That was good for a start. And the energy was great. And, you know, people were genuinely pleased to learn. And a lot of people came up to me afterwards and went, oh, that was amazing. And I thought, I wish everybody stopped saying that. Not not basically about me. I mean, just in general about the summit. Mm. Um, but I thought it's not amazing. As you say, it's sort of normal stuff that people should be doing anyway. Yeah. You know, there's a great session at the beginning with um, Selin and Laura from a, a restaurant called Oclava. Yeah. And they were talking about making sure people get home safe at night. So they leave in time to get their last bus or they get them a taxi or whatever and stopping doing horrendous shifts. And, you know, we don't have to do that now. But, I mean, talking, listening to those two women talk, it, I just thought, yeah, that's a really great place to work if you're in a restaurant. But I do think, you know, there's a, a real um, difference between the way um, a clava obviously treat their people, whoever, whatever sex they are, they just make sure they're safe. And, and it's interesting because the top thing that came out of the best places to work survey this year was that people wanted a safe and positive environment. Well, there you go. So directly in line with the sentiment yeah. that's out there. Yeah. One of the interesting, most interesting parts for me of the day, I think, was when Kate Nichols got up. Kate Nichols is the CEO of um, UK Hospitality. And she gave some quite startling statistics, I thought, on the back of the state I guess, of the landscape facing hospitality right now. I think she said something like there were 4,000 active vacancies that we were looking at. I thought a really tough stat that we mentioned before in the intro that that 42% of people wanted to leave the industry. I thought, I think that's, that's quite a shocking number. And then I didn't quite know this was going to be the number, but 20% of people who went through furlough didn't come back when restrictions were lifted again and, and the scheme stopped, which I mean that I mean, one in five not coming back, right? No, it's horrendous, but actually not surprising. Yeah. Because it was horrendous and they had to suddenly go, right, I'm going to find something else to do. And unfortunately, a lot of them found something that they quite like doing or they went for money. You know, there, there are people out there doing delivery driving and at twice what they were getting paid in the hospitality industry, really. So that's not good, is it? No. Well, I think that whole thing about pay and working conditions in hospitality is, well, it's a key area to look at, isn't it? For that, for, for that very reason. I mean, look, case in point, my 16-year-old son, Max, right? He is doing his GCSEs right now. He's starting to look for part-time job. 
And, you know, back in my day, it would have been local pub or restaurant or or, or whatever, go and get that yeah. kind of job. Nowadays, you know, he's looking at Tesco's. So fulfilling yeah. fulfilling shelves or doing sort of online shopping or working for Decathlon in a warehouse or Clipper or whatever it might be with four, five pounds different pay per hour yeah. than a hospitality equivalent. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, and <laughs> I know this is going to sound daft, but for his generation, he can wander around the warehouse with his music on. Yeah. He can work That's the hours it. that he wants to work. Yeah. Um, you know, you Wearing his shorts that. and his flip flops or whatever he wants to wear. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> a, it's a different a competitive landscape for pay and working conditions. So, what, what do you, what do you take out of that? What do you see? I, I think there's the, well, two things. One is we're probably never going to compete with every other industry on pay. I mean, you're never going to commit compete mm. with Amazon, for instance, at Christmas. You just aren't going to. However, I do think the hospitality industry needs to take a big, brave breath and think about money. And um, I mean, I'm showing my age now, but I remember when the national minimum wage was going to come in. Mm. And I was the only person who would give the caterer an interview in favour of it because everybody in hospitality, I mean, there must have been some that weren't, but they didn't find any. They were all up in arms saying this is the death of the industry. It's going to be horrendous. You know, we're going to pay these people these things. We won't be able to afford to operate. You know, the pub industry was absolutely up in arms about it. And I mean, you know, I'm very practical. Maybe it's a northern thing. I don't know to generalise, but. I just said, look, you know what? People still want to go to the pub, put your prices up. They're still going to come and have a drink. You know, they're not going to stay at home. I mean, maybe that wasn't quite right in the end. But, you know, overall, people still want to go out and do hospitality type things. And, you know, take this for the positive that it is, that you're going to be paying people more. And if that's enforced, it's a shame Mm. that this industry, you know, wasn't doing it already. Um, and you know what happened? You know, I got in terrible trouble from my boss, by the way, at the time for <laughs> this massive spreading case. going, this woman thinks it's a good idea. Uh, hey, got my profile up. What the hell? Anyway, um, got in trouble. And then, do you know what? It came in and it was like nothing. It just happened. People put the prices up. People got paid better. All went away. I mean, really? You know, maybe there's a little bit of pain for a few weeks, but it just sort of didn't happen. So in a way, it proves that if you all take a collective breath and go, right, we're all going to put our money up here, mm. just a little bit, just to, to show willing, because, it, you know, as I say, you're never going to be able to double it. But I think just gradual increases would, would really help. And the other thing is, so another thing that came out of Best Places to Work survey, and this is nothing unusual, is that in priority order, so this survey is unique because people rank the things that are important to them. Right. So rather than just answering a list of questions that, some psychologists made up once, which there's nothing wrong with that. But this is about, you know, we're in a practical industry. Let's get people to choose what's important. Pay came fifth on the list. Right. And ahead of that was, as I mentioned before, a safe and positive environment. Well, we can all do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, work-life balance, we should all be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, teams, team dynamics and teams where you could achieve. So we can all do that. And good leadership. So we should be all able to do that. And if you got those things right, then the pay doesn't become as important. Okay, if you're 16 and you don't really care, you just, I mean, my kids worked in hospitality, they didn't really mind what they did, they just wanted the money, it's fine. But I, I think if you're looking for a career, you know, if you get those things right, then pay does become a lot less important. Yeah, look, I mean, I think like in any in any business, in any place of work, the pay is like, the it's a, 
it's largely a hygiene factor. If you pay yeah. a fair wage, yeah. fine, great. Yeah. The other things are the things that make you turn a part-time job into a career or a long-term relationship with a bu- exactly. with a business, right? I mean, it's not always the case, but often it's not the money that makes you leave. It's the relationships you have at work. It's the leadership that you don't get. It's the development that you don't get. It's the feeling unvalued uh, in whatever shape that may be. That will will be the the real reasons for driving you away. And I know this for a fact because we talk to people about this all the time. And, yeah, they leave because their boss didn't treat them very well. was a bit of an idiot to them. Or, yeah. They, you know, they're working stupid shifts or they've got no control over their lives because they don't get their rotor until a week before the month right. or they can't change a shift themselves. They've got to go and ask permission and, you know, some RC manager goes, no, sorry, you can't. And it's just it's just pathetic, really. You know, we've just got to get our act together with it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's never been more focus on people's bank balances than right now. It's, it's yeah. tough. It's a tough world. You can't take the mickey with people's pay. You've got to pay them a fair wage. Yeah. But it's then all the other things on top of it that really make it account. Yeah. And I think, to me, that's one of the core messages I took out from many of the guys speaking on the day was trying to do two things. One, get to grips with change. And hospitality, I think, has been pretty slow on some of those things and, and adopting change and reacting. Yeah. And the other stuff is... And we're going to talk, I think, probably about uh, Celine and Laura in a bit more detail in some of the things that they were saying. But I seem to feel that they were advocating a more human style of leadership, you know, genuinely yeah. caring for people, which, you know, on this podcast, that's that's our bread and butter, right? That's what we like to like to talk Absolutely about. Right. But it was a really strong message, I thought, uh, coming through. You've got guys who've been doing it for a long time and, it, and it's part and parcel and other guys seem to talk about it like a, a new thing <laughs> so yeah. I, I, and I think that's the problem with hospitality you've got major ends of the scale here yeah and it's it's a really weird dichotomy because a lot of people go into hospitality okay because they like food which is why I did it but also because they like people yeah and they say they love people and being with people but then they don't care about their people yeah, it's just an odd thing, and I I, I don't understand it because, uh, yeah, I mean those girls are, are just doing it because it makes sense to them. Well, let's talk about them. So we yeah. heard from Celine Kizim and Laura Christie from Oklava. Now I don't know about you, I sat there listening to Celine going, I know Celine, I, I, where do I know her from? <laughs> and I genuinely thought I'd kind of like work with her or something, but no, she's on Saturday Kitchen. That's how. That's how I know. I know I did that too. <laughs> I felt such a wally when I made that twig. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really refreshing listening to to what they were doing with their people, and the the simple sentence of, look. For our employees, we want them to know that they matter and that we care about them. I mean, <laughs> it was a pretty simple statement, yeah, but yeah. powerful. Well, they were saying that for a lot of these people, they're their first employer, so their first entry into, into the industry. And they want to give them a really good experience, not because they want them to stay there forever, because they know they're not going to stay with them forever, but they want them to stay in the industry. And I think if more people had that attitude, there's a bit of um Oh, this is a terrible phrase, but pile it high, sell it cheap. You know, when I started the business and, I, and people go, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to help people to, you know, attract, engage and retain people. And mm. they're like, that's a waste of time. It's the nature of the industry. They come, they go, they come. 
but it doesn't have to be. And I spent my whole time saying it does not have to be like that. If you do the right things, you will keep those people because we can offer the best careers ever. You know, you can go anywhere with hospitality and do any job, really. It's incredibly diverse. But people forget. So I like that they said they were sort of setting the standard for, for good employment. They said um, they wanted to get to know their people. <laughs> uh, uh, that's not weird, is it? You know, <laughs> know your people. Oh, How brilliant. strange. I know. I mean, just very sensible. And I'm glad they take the time to do that. And they were talking about, you know, putting faith in their people and trusting them and building mutual trust. Trust is a massive thing, particularly post-pandemic. You know, you know, people, um, there's a great statistic that says something like eight out of 10 people. This is from Harvard. I didn't make it up. Um, would trust a stranger more than they trust their boss. Which is pretty, That's you know, telling, isn't it? people mean... is absolutely shocking. You know, and, and because people just think they, you know, there's that parent-child relationship that people have, which is totally wrong, by the way, where they think they can sort of feed people the information they want them to hear instead of just being really transparent and going, look, this is the way it is. And you saw it all through the pandemic. The employees who went, okay, this is tough, it's horrible, let's all talk about it together and work it out, and and did the best they could. Those people who got put on furlough and got made redundant understood why and could empathise with that, even though it was horrible for them, Mm. which is way better than getting a letter out the blue to say off you go and, by the way, leave your accommodation by the end of the week. So it's just how you deal with those things and how you talk to people. Absolutely. And I I think the way that the the two of them were speaking, it, it came across... And we overuse the word authentic a lot, I think, at the moment. But I think it it really did come across as authentic. So when they talk about getting to know their team, it's not, I know their name, I know the name of their dog, and I know what their favorite color is. It was on a on a much more deeper practical level. You know, yeah. what do they need from us? What are yeah. they looking for? Actually, how can we help them do that? What what development are they going to going to need? And I really liked it. Seemingly could have gone over people's heads talking about situations where you talked earlier about la- allowing people to get home safe safely and letting people leave twenty five minutes earlier than others because of a bus route or something else, and dealing with potential conflict of others going, well, that's not fair. Why do they get to leave early? the way they dealt with that and just having a conversation and actually somebody else will want to bail somebody else another time and they all swap around and, and yeah. trust each other. I mean, that's just normal relationship work, yeah. right? I mean, that's teamwork. Yeah. If you all like each other as a team, you don't have to be best friends. You all like each other. You all respect each other. You all trust each other. Nobody says, oh, that's not fair. That person's got to leave because they want them to get home safe. Quite. You know, there's, there's strings and roundabouts with everything. And it's all about give and take, you know, and, they, they were saying they look really carefully for signs of burnout. I thought that was really, really interesting. Really good because, you know, usually people just wait till someone's like literally on the edge and then, oh, dear, they leave. And then everybody goes, oh, should have done something about that, shouldn't we? So they're looking for these signs and then they do something about it and say, no, back off and take your holiday or, you know. <laughs> even the. Even the conversation they had about rotaring, you know, we, we won't do that ridiculous split shift thing and we won't have people working nine exactly. days on, two days off. You know, it's, yeah. I thought yeah. <laughs> you sit there and go, yeah, but it, it almost came across like, oh, that's new news. Uh, well, in- I know because don't you think for some though it's like a, a badge of honour because they had to do it, everybody else has got to do it. And what people in this industry fail to realise is this is a different world. Even pre-pandemic, this yeah. is a different world. The nature of the employee is different. Everything's different. 
but they're still expecting it to be the way it was for them. And it just isn't. And they've got to suck that up and go, okay, I'm just going to, you know, go with it and make things different. And, you know, you don't want to see people suffer, but there is still some really strange people out there that think because they suffered, everybody else needs to do. And it's just crazy. Absolutely. I think it was good that they also recognised that people who are looking for as many shifts as possible because they need the finances, you know, that's just as much as a worry for them in that they end up pushing themselves. But the simple fact of the matter was, look, seven days straight, you're never going to be your best. You're never going to operate your best. Things are going to get tougher at home as they are at work the more you go on. But they weren't shying away from the fact that, look, it's a busy restaurant, right? And we have to work hard. It's not a happy, clappy thing. It is we work hard. That's yeah. what I liked about it hmm. because there's someone who's very successful. You know, they're not new. They've been around, no. around but they're super successful um, because of all of those things. And it is really, really hard work. But, you know, you can do that and enjoy it if you do it in a kind, trusting, fair way. And, you know, we need more of that, don't we, really? A hundred percent. Look, everything always comes back to trust as far as I'm concerned. Uh, people on the podcast sick of me talking about Lencioni's five dysfunctions <laughs> yeah, of the team. Exactly. You know, if you don't get past trust, you're not going anywhere, right? No. Not, not in the long term. You can fluke a result here and there. Yeah, exactly. Don't get past that and it's really sad. Well, that's what takes the effort though, isn't it? It's That's yeah. not the quick fix. You talked earlier about people trying to copy somebody else. No, look internally, take your time, get to know people and, and build exactly. that trust. Right. It's a long-term thing. Absolutely. So look, if we look at your the guys who've made it through to the shortlist, yeah, in best places to work in hospitality. Well, firstly, who are they? Are they are they the usual suspects? Uh, are these are these new guys coming through? What is it they're doing? The mix, actually. Um, so the way it works is we take the top two large, the top two medium, and the top two small employers, and okay. they make the six. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say that you know, if it was down to the very top of the list they'd all be small employers because it's way easier to be a best place to work if you've got seven people or 10 people than if you've got 2,000 people. So the way we do it is is to make sure that the larger employers get recognised as well. So in there this year, we had Valor, who uh, run franchises for people like Holiday Inn, Hilton, Crown Plaza, and they're actually a previous Katie winner. So I think it's great that people like that do not rest on their laurels that they keep going. And I mean, you know, we work with them quite closely and every year they go, what can we do? What can we do? What's the next thing and the next thing? And they're always pushing it in quite a difficult business because these are not, you know, really sexy five-star hotels or, you know, they're kind of mid-range big hotels in some cases where, you know, in areas where it's difficult to get people. Yeah, You know, I stayed in one a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I was absolutely bowled over by the service. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, we have nothing to do with the service there. But I, I was bowled over by it. It was like... Just you know, because it was what? Good, uh, personal just, or friendly? Or? Attentive, smiley, couldn't do enough for you. Very sensible, you know, didn't hassle you when you didn't want it. But the guy that welcomed us in, I mean, I felt like the Queen had arrived. No, but, you know, it was just, <laughs> it was just so nice. A, a way, the way you expect service to be in a very high high end five-star hotel except mm. they're not and just all the little touches and it was you know the breakfast is you know it's a big buffet breakfast but they can't do enough for you whereas you know you're expecting in a place like that and I'm not doing them down but in a mid-range hotel you don't really expect anybody to be particularly nice you expect to be processed and I didn't feel processed I mean we both Joe was there and we both remarked on the fact that they just make it made us feel like a really special 
pair of guests, which was so nice. It is nice. They can do that in Birmingham. Nothing wrong with Birmingham. They can do it in the middle of Birmingham in a big, you know, busy, big, busy hotel where it's hard to get people and all the rest of it. Then I'm pretty sure we could do it in London. <laughs> well, you would hope. I mean, not I think. Okay, so is it? <laughs> not really. I think it is interesting though, because I think um, I got accused of scaring some uh, waiters in a hotel restaurant the other day <laughs> because I tried to engage in conversation with them because yeah. I'm 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 one of those guests. I like to get to know the guys who are serving me. I, I mean, I'm not talking about trying to find their life story, but I, I like a bit of uh, to engage. I like a bit of banter I, because I, I think from being on the other side of it, those were always the customers that I enjoyed serving more. I felt more relaxed. I felt yeah. a bit of a connection. Yeah. It was, it, it was, it was good. But yeah, I, I, I think I scared a guy the other day just by literally wanting to have a conversation with him. He looked like deer caught in the headlines. <laughs> Wasn't well, quite sure what to do. Well, sometimes there's two aspects. I mean, one, they're just not trained or two they're over trained yeah. so they're not allowed to you know there's that whole thing I think and you mentioned authenticity but authenticity is really important to people and being yourself today of all days it's like you said about your son wants to walk around with these headphones in people want to be themselves and mm. do the things that they want to do and you know there are still organizations that try and put people through 200 standard operating procedures and make them learn all this stuff And actually, it's more about teaching them the framework and then saying within that framework, be yourself, do what it takes. And clearly, when we stayed in that Hilton in in Birmingham the other week, those people had just been told, you know, use your personalities to be as nice as possible to the guests and just make them feel great. And that's what they were doing. And everybody was doing it. It was amazing. You've got to get that combo of a bit of process to help you and then yeah. yeah, personality. And you can tell when it's either or. You just want that happy blend. So we've got Valor. Who else have we got? We've got Valor. We've um, got uh, the old stocks in, still on the world. Uh, Thomas Franks, who are a contract catering business. Genuine Dining Company. Uh, Dakota Hotel in Manchester. I think it's the first entry for them, so they're pretty excited. And a company called Aviator. So those, those are six shortlist. And then they write a submission and that goes through to judging, which actually I don't do, Joe does, but I, I do have a few little ideas of the things that they're doing. But, I was going to say, so what, what is it that these guys are doing above and beyond? Uh, well, they're all, they've all got very clearly defined culture. So right. they've all got, and you know, because you do this, we do this, but they know what the purpose is. They know what the values are. They know what the behaviour is supposed to be. And that all resonates again with things that come out of the, the survey. So, you know, for instance, one of the things that, um, one of the criteria that people said hospitality industry could improve was measuring performance against the right behaviours, which is really interesting where people have come up with that. Yeah. Um, because they're sick of being judged on gut feel or hearsay or, you know, I mean, I, I know there are nightmare leaders that go around hotels and talk to two people and come back going, right, I've got to change the policy and everybody thinks this. And it's like, hang on a minute, how many people did you talk to and what yes. did they actually say? And they just do fly off the handle. And sometimes that happens. Whereas if you're actually saying, right, this is what's expected and be very clear about that. And then measuring that people want to be measured in that way. They don't want someone making a snap judgment about their performance when they don't know, because they're not there watching them. I look. I, it's one of the things I enjoy doing the most with clients. Uh, uh, last week, with a, with a couple of venues on on a bit of a test, taking the kind of values and service principles out to them, unpacking the reasons why they are what they are, 
right? Explaining why and where it's come from. Yeah. And then allowing them to say, okay, in my day to day, that's going to look like this. Yes, exactly. Right. That is the way to transfer ownership yes. and stuff. And their engagement in that process was far, far greater than trying to get, get given a list of things to regurgitate, right? It just doesn't permeate. It doesn't, it doesn't sink in. Um, so I, no, I'm a massive advocate for that. I, I think, think so. So just works. giving people the why, I guess, and, and enabling them to work it out. Um, a lot of those companies, in fact, I think most of those companies, are sort of tackling the recruitment crisis from within. Mm. So what I mean about that is putting a massive priority on employee advocacy, because I think that's the only way to fix this. Um, I think it's great that we're having an industry PR campaign and you know there's lots of money being raised for that. But it sort of worries me. And I've been saying for years we need a PR campaign, but we also need to get our act together in, internally because if we attract all these people and then we still treat them like whatever. The promise has got to match up to the reality, Jane. It's just know? not going to work. So I think they're tackling it from the inside in that they are just looking and thinking, what do our people need right now? Hmm. You know, and going and talking to them and find out. Because if you can give people what they need, and that was that came through over and over on the People's Summit Day, if you find out what it is and you don't know if you don't ask them, and then you give it to them within reason, and if you can't, you explain why you can't, then you're sort of more than halfway there, really. Even asking the question is a start. Yeah. You know, I mean, every time I say to people, you know, clients go, what can I do about recruitment? You've got to have really strong advocates. And, you know, a lot of these companies in the shortlist are paying them more to, to introduce people or do more creative incentives yeah. to get them to bring people. And, and, you know, we're finding at the moment that people might be happy in their own jobs, but they wouldn't necessarily recommend it to somebody else because it's so tough. Yeah. So happiness and engagement doesn't necessarily equal advocacy. You know, the only way to ask is to ask that, you know, employer net promoter score question, which mm, is, mm. would you recommend this to, you know, this place to a loved one, a family or a friend as a place to work? Yeah. And you have to work out whether they would or they wouldn't. And if not, you've got to address those things. Well, I think it's also yeah. interesting, though, when you say that and then you look at the results of your survey to that sort of question compared to the 42% that we saw, <laughs> heard that were going to leave or wanted to leave hospitality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like six percent yeah, or something. Six percent. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. there is a stat in itself. Absolutely. And you, you kind of that means you're sort of preaching to the converted, aren't you? And I'd like to get all the other people in the industry in that room at that people summit. Because the people who come are, are are the people who want to make it better and better. Um, and it just goes to show, you know, six percent versus forty-two percent. I mean, that's huge, isn't it? That's stark, my friend. That is absolutely stark. Exactly. So let, let's let's project forward. You have got all these people in the room. You have got the right people in the room. What are you going to say to them is the way forward, Jane? Um, well, I think absolutely the fact find. So go and find out what's going on. Go and talk to your people. If you've got loads of people, you can survey them. You can do focus groups, whatever. You can get people like you and I, Andy, in to come and do that and help. Oh, well, that'd be marvellous. Um, well, well, I do think, you know, a lot, a lot of the people, and you'll know this, a lot of the people who stand up and go, I don't really know how to crack this. I know I want to do it, but I don't know how. Um, and they come and speak to people like you and I mm. and get specialist advice. They're the people who actually, you know, do better out of this than just trying to do it all yourself. Because if you're a business owner or an HR generalist, you know, you're trying to do everything else. You can't. And this is a very specific area. I mean, it is quite specialist, isn't it? I think so. Oh, I, I think this is I, th- I think it's one of those things that you said right at the start of here. It's always going to be specific to you and your business. 
there are there is a pathway right but the steps within each of those paths are, are sometimes quite different and sometimes very personal but it is about going out there asking the questions sitting down and looking at what is being yeah. said and and trying to line up the business truth the employee truth and the customer truth and if exactly. you can line those three things yeah. up you're in a good place i think and then you need a plan that is practical correct i i do see people doing work with you know whoever third parties and they come up with this massively complicated plan and you know life is mad at the moment you've no time to do that so it is about pulling it out and getting really quick wins or you know I always think it's better to get three things out of a session that people are actually going to do than 103 things that are just going to sit on a page and everybody regrets that they never actually managed to do it in the end so well my biggest learning in corporate life yeah. I think was the period of time where we really did row back on the number of things we were trying to achieve. And we really did focus on the, it was three things we wanted to move an absolute mile. And that's exactly what we did. Whereas in previous years, it had been, look at this big list of things we've got for the, uh, for the finance guys. This is all the things we're going to do. And best will in the world, we, we didn't achieve many of them at all. Certainly not to the degree we wanted to achieve no, because no. you just can't do it. And I, I am a massive advocate, especially when it comes to this sort of stuff. This is a long-term game, and it's about knocking off the things that are really important, but really focusing in on the, the handful of things as you go through that plan. Yeah. It's a because, marathon, not a sprint, isn't it? Yeah, but people and, need, and to see re- they need to see results. They need to get need belief. So yeah. get the quick wins because you will get some quick wins. One quick win will get you some sort of result. Um, I think be prepared to invest in it. You know, we're not talking mega millions, but just compare your marketing budget with your people engagement budget and compare your, you know, cost of refurbing your hotel with refurbing your people, if you like. Because mm. uh, I'm always astounded that people spend millions on that and won't spend a tenth of that or a fifth of that or, or whatever um, on, you know, the people. It's crazy. Yeah, look, 100%. 100%. <laughs> you have a beautiful hotel, most beautiful hotel, but without engaged, excited people. It's just experience isn't there for the customer, is it? So, no. I guess that is a bit of advice. Um, I think um, definitely create advocacy and what that actually means. And, and you know, tr- I think treat HR as marketing these days. It is like a campaign but the reality has to underpin the campaign you know so for instance you wouldn't have a a lovely website for your property or hotel or whatever and say the rooms look like this and then they look completely different Mm. so you can't go out there saying we're a great employer and then when people get there the reality is that you're not so I think if you could just authentically be a great employer and then go and make sure the, the the word is out there you know, people have to put a bit of marketing effort behind this. Can't tell you how many people haven't really mastered the whole social media thing, which is unbelievable, really. Well, especially when you think of the workforce that's coming through. I mean, this yeah. is this is how they communicate. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah, I mean, there's a few, you know, few clients that are doing stuff on TikTok and things. And I said this to somebody the other day, and they're like, oh, we never thought of that. And it's like, how did you not think of that? Because those are the sort of people you want. They're like, oh, we don't really want that age group. But everybody's on there. You know, they're not all 16. So yeah. I'm not saying you have to do TikTok, but whatever's right for you. But just, just look at the possibilities and move with the times, really. 100% agree with that. Yeah, Jane, so. look, we've come to the part of the show where I'm asking you now to kind of summarise 
all of your advice, all of your thoughts, your takeouts on what I like to call sticky notes. Because my attention span is tiny. This is advice that you could fit on three little post-it notes, mate. So if you're thinking about the world of hospitality and you're thinking about engagement, what three piece advice would you leave us with? Right. So my first one is ask the right questions, listen to the answers and do something with it. My second one is be prepared to invest and consult specialists because we're the best one in the world. Most people don't know what they're doing. And the third one is be kind to your people and be a reasonable employer. You know, treat them as if that was your son or your daughter working there. And, you know, you shouldn't do the treat them as yourself thing, but you should certainly just think, would I want anybody with my beloved child? Would I want them to be kind and reasonable and make them safe and secure and all of those things? So just be a kind and reasonable employer. It's not that hard. Lovely. What a nice, <laughs> lovely way to finish with a very, very positive <laughs> sticky note at the end there. Now, looking ahead, how can people register for best places to work in hospitality going forwards? Well, if they look at press, uh, certainly the caterer and catering press in October time, it'll be going live. It stays live right until February. So there's no excuse that it's busy because it's Christmas. So, you know, you've got plenty of time to do it. Lots of people just leave it till January. Some people get it out of the way in October before the Christmas rush has made everybody feel a bit. Um, So look out for it. Get in there. It's super cheap. It's it's the value of the information that comes out of the survey is invaluable. So even if you don't make the list, no one will ever know that you've entered if you don't make the list. So there's no shame in, in not making it. But uh, I hope people will have a go. But you just get a whole load of information out the back that says, look, this is where you're not performing so well. This is where you're performing quite well. These are some of the things you could do. Uh, we're very happy to go and talk to people at no charge, all that, just a bit of advice if that's what they want. Interestingly, not many of the hospitality people take us up on that, but we've just done the same thing for the travel industry. And I have been inundated with calls with people going, oh, what does this mean? What can we do with it? Tell us, tell us. So um, it's interesting that they're really, you know, in the fight. Um, so, yeah, you know, enter. What have you got to lose, really? What have you got to lose? What have you got to gain? A whole bunch of retained, engaged employees who are doing a great exactly. job for you. Jane, thanks ever so much for your time, mate. You take care and I will see you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Andy. Been a pleasure. Okay, everyone. That was Jane Sunley. And if you'd like to find out a bit more about her and some of the things that we've talked about today, please check out the show notes. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward if you have please like comment and subscribe it really helps i'm andy gorham and you've been listening to the sticky from the inside podcast until next time thanks for listening